Hello, my name is Melissa Hoffman. I'm Assistant Director of Public Health at the Medical Society of the State of New York. I'm joined today by Dr. William Valenti. Dr. Valenti is an infectious diseases specialist and chair of Mizzou's Infectious Diseases Committee. Today, we are updating our earlier podcast on monkeypox. At the time of this recording on June 8th, 2022, there have been more than 1,000 confirmed or suspected infections in approximately 30 countries where monkeypox is not endemic. For comparison, at the time of our previous recording on May 27th, there are approximately 200 cases in nearly 20 countries. There have now been approximately 30 cases reported in the United States, with some states having higher concentrations of cases than others. Dr. Valenti, our previous podcast discussed the clinical presentation of this monkeypox outbreak, but the information we imparted has changed since then. How so? Well, we've gotten some clarity on what disease looks like. And in contrast to what we talked about earlier, the patients who get monkeypox infection often start out with symptoms, with feeling sick with fever, headache, muscle aches, fatigue. And then about three days later, the rash pops up. Now, what we said about the rash earlier in terms of being discrete lesions and not widespread, that's true. But this is a symptomatic illness that's followed by rash three days later. And then the rash that we described and has been seen consists of these small pustules, hemorrhagic, bloody, scabbed, things depending on the the state. And we have a, a photo that shows that in clusters in the groin, around the rectum, on the hands or fingers, mouth and face, and sometimes on the trunk. And what's holding is this close contact that spreads virus. As we said earlier, this doesn't appear to be sexually transmitted, but it is transmitted by sexual contact. And the difference there being sexual contact, skin to skin, rubbing, maybe some abrasions, and an opportunity for virus to spread from one person's rash to somebody else who doesn't have it. But from everything we know so far, this virus is not in blood or spread by blood or a semen or vaginal fluid, but can be spread during sex. So there's the difference in between sexually transmitted and sexual contact. The other piece of information that's new And we don't have a lot of information on it yet, but there appear to be variants of the monkeypox virus strain that we saw originally. And a couple of these variants have been detected in the United States. My advice on this is just to keep reading and see what we can learn uh, about this as we uh, get more information and as more cases appear, we'll have more opportunities to understand this. But There appears to be some variant involvement with the monkeypox virus, uh, and some of those variants have been detected here in the U.S. Dr. Valenti, do you think that the existence of more than one genetic variant of the monkeypox virus will impact containment of this outbreak? Will these variants then uh, change 
our ability to contain or stop the spread of monkeypox virus. Not initially, because right now, the main kinds of precautions that we're recommending are reducing contact with people who are sick, uh, avoiding or being aware of the risks of sexual contact with people we meet at uh, uh, parties or events or gatherings uh, by mobile uh, apps, social media, etc. As I said, not having contact with people who are sick, nor having contact with uh, with animals. So the travel piece is a big part of this, and CDC has recently elevated its uh, travel uh, guidance to a level two, which is what they're calling enhanced precaution, which is really a higher level uh, of awareness and reducing contact with people who may be sick or, or may possibly be infected and looking for rashes. I mean, it's that, that simple. The variant uh, aspect of this may impact um, what we're able to do with vaccines and um, and antiviral drugs as they're, as they're developed. So I'd say we need to stay tuned on that. I'd say that in order to avoid that kind of scenario, we need to really take some steps now to prevent spread of virus, that this is a good opportunity for us to stop the spread of virus. And that includes early identification on the part of my medical colleagues, uh, heightened awareness among patients, patient education, all of those kinds of things. This is the time to really begin to go after this to try and contain it. Thank you, Dr. Valenti. Just one other question, just an example. If a patient calls your office with a rash of unknown origin and a physician is reticent to see this patient, what would be your recommendation for the physician or for the patient for that matter? You know, this virus really requires close, intimate, person-to-person contact to spread. So I wouldn't expect much spread in a regular doctor's office because this is not airborne. The monkeypox virus is not airborne. It's, this is not like the virus of COVID-19. I say we need to see those patients because we want to be able to identify virus and uh, isolate patients so they don't spread it to other spread it to other people, and the way you do that is to identify viruses, see the patient, look at the rash, but we're going to wear gloves and gowns and masks just to be sure, and really take precautions. You need to know in advance that the patient's coming in for a rash, and we use personal protective equipment, the kind of PPE that reduces the risk of transmission. And then you swab that lesion and put the material and the swab in a sterile container, either a sterile tube or a sterile urine container, and call your local health department for guidance on next steps in terms of testing. But we really need to be doing more testing. So I'd say that since this is not respiratory spread that we're talking about, because it makes sense with COVID-19, not to see people in the office because they're shedding virus in coughs or sneezes or respiratory secretions, but that's not the case here. So if you take the right precautions, take the correct precautions, 
there should be no risk to having people in the office. Obviously, you want to adjust the patient flow system so that patients are brought into an exam room as quickly as possible and don't spend a lot of time in the waiting room and get them in and um, get them out. You know, this story about precautions and testing people is going to evolve just the way it did with COVID-19. And one of the things we did with COVID-19, okay, if you don't want that patient in the office, say you have a small office, short of staff, et cetera, is gown, gloves, and masks, and do the exam in the patient's car. You know, there are times when we just need to drop convention and do things a little bit differently. But my point is, try and find a way to get a swab of that material for diagnosis because it's really important today. Thank you, Dr. Valenti. Is there anything else you would like your physician colleagues to know about the current monkeypox outbreak? I guess, speaking to my physician colleagues, I'd say we've been through this before, this kind of sudden appearance, new disease that can be very disruptive because it's new and different. We haven't dealt with it before. But in many ways, we have dealt with outbreaks, clusters of infection, starting with HIV all those years ago in the 1980s, that people are concerned about things like contagion, spread of virus, what the risk is to themselves and their families, and what kinds of things they should be doing to avoid getting sick and spreading it to others. So this speaks to the importance of educating people with scientific-based, evidence-based information that we really have an obligation to our patients to get this right. And I think the idea is to give people information so that they're clear thinking and rational uh, about travel, contact with other people, avoid stigmatizing groups of people, because we have a very clear idea of how this is transmitted and want to focus on that, the science in terms of prevention and management and keep people informed to avoid, we want to avoid panic. But I think there's an opportunity here, and I want to emphasize that one more time, that there is an opportunity to contain this and make sure that it doesn't spread. I don't know what it's going to look like next week or six months or a year from now. But if we take the right steps now and think clearly about the science that we know today and the science that will evolve over the next several weeks to months, that if we can follow in step with that, I think we stand a better than even chance of bringing this under control. Because I think the other thing that we should probably keep in mind here is that what we're seeing now may have been going on for some time and we just didn't know it. In other words, it's the tip of the iceberg kind of thing. And that's why it's important to keep our wits about us, examine the science, be thoughtful and rational and clear with our patients to avoid infection, prevent further spread of infection, and uh, begin to contain this because I suspect that this may have been going on for a bit of time here, I don't know how long, but I think that we're starting to see now that tip of the iceberg. So let's leave it at the tip of the iceberg and manage it 
effectively from this point forward, as opposed to finding us ourselves down the road with an unmanageable situation. So this is an opportunity for us as physicians to get the message across and do the right thing. As always, thank you, Dr. Valenti, for your wisdom and information. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Be sure to keep an eye on your Missing e-news or blast emails, and we will keep you posted on any updates of this monkeypox outbreak. Dr. Valenti, do you think that the existence of more than one genetic variant of the monkeypox virus will impact containment of this outbreak?